Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Church for many years and we never had a Vision Sunday and we had great church. So it's not about a new vision every year. It's not about recreating and, and exciting. It is about something of motivating, getting on the same page as God called us forward as a family, as an army, as a local church that I believe is powerful and not called just to exist and do time, but to see this world influenced and changed, finding and re- recaptivating what God has called us to at this time. Proverbs, and we do take moments where we look back and we say, thank you, wow, God. You know, that number of salvations, if it wasn't 45 big decisions for Jesus or 30 baptisms, if it was just one, we should be on our chairs shouting and screaming the name of Jesus because it's that powerful, it's that glorious, and it's that real. That eternity is real, heaven and hell are real, Jesus is glorious, and He died on a cross so that men and women can go to eternity. And when numbers like that go on a screen, something inside of us should go, yes, I'm a part of a God story that has eternal value. I think it's glorious. And um, then we look forward, and Proverbs 29 says, without vision, my people perish. And we know that actually part of it is where we're going, and God is adding, and we're so great. It's so amazing that God has added people to the story. We want to make sure we're on the same page together, moving forward, so people can partner in that story. I want to say from Proverbs 19, verse 21, why God says it, many are the plans in people's hearts, in a person's hearts, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And please don't go and say, hey, my pastor's vision or the leadership's vision. This is God's vision. Anything that's my vision will fall to the ground and die. But if God is speaking and if God is showing and if God is leading, I trust it will bear kingdom fruit. It will bear fruit that looks like more salvations, more baptisms, and more kingdom impact into this world. And God is speaking. He's leading us. He's calling us. And He's been incredibly gracious to us. And it's, I'm excited. Again, as Gabe said, it's not a new vision. I just want to say a few things about the local church. I think the local church is glorious. I think the local church is glorious. This local church is 20 years old. 20 years old. We, it's our 21st next year. We are going to party like it's 1991. Don't know what happened in 1991, but it was a party. And um, I want to say a few things about the local church. I believe in the beauty and the power of the local church when Jesus is at the center. I believe we are called to influence and not to influence the world and not to be the ones influenced by the world. I believe we are called to shine like a city on a hill. We aren't called to be a church on a block available should you want church. I believe God has called us and filled us with power when we trust Him for miracles, to see things that this world won't understand. And, and you know the Mungavin story and Kiara and it's spectacular, but God wants to do it again for His glory because He's jealous for His glory and His Bible says and His Word says that He is a healer. And we want to be a people who will trust Him. Take him at his word and trust him for that. We want to be a people who aren't so scared of taking risks in our God because we don't trust him. We want to be of those who trust him that we'll risk take on the goodness and the glory of our king. We'll take risks on him, but they're not risks when Jesus is in the boat, as we'll see tonight. I want to make a statement that we aren't impotent slaves without power to see change come. We are powerful sons and daughters of the living God with His authority and His life inside of us. And as we gather in moments like this, the potential of moments like this is not just another Sunday. It's moments of potential healing and life change and chains falling off and destinies and purpose filled in Jesus. And Jesus has a vision for His church. 
It's greater than the vision of any man could ever be. And I hear pastors stand up, and it's my vision for this. I tell you, I just want Jesus' church for his church, vision for his church. I want what he has. Because when a bride looks at his bridegroom, there's a vision in his heart that no one else sees but him. And when Jesus looks at his church, there's a vision that shines in its heart, and it's glorious. And we get to be a part of that. Ephesians 2, the apostle puts it this way. You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got you, in what he is building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into a temple in which God is quite at home. Say to the person next to you, he's using you. Fitting you brick by brick. Stone by stone. We're just stones in what he's building. We're just bricks in the building that God is building by his spirit. But it's a glorious privilege. I was 14 years old when I got saved. Pulled into a church. I've only ever been a part of two local churches. It was a bunch of hippies who got filled with the Spirit of God and encountered the Word of God. But it was so real and raw, it changed my world. They they lived out what they preached. They were prepared to make radical sacrifices. Single ladies moving to Mongolia to preach the gospel and lead in churches. And and they were prepared to sacrifice at levels I didn't think men men, women were humanly possible to sacrifice because they believed something. They encountered the living God. They encountered the glory and the wonder. They had tasted and seen of something. And I'm telling you, as a local church, when we taste and see of something glorious, God will call us to glorious stories. And there will be sacrifice, and there will be cost, and there will be challenge. But in the story, there will be a motivated reality that my soul is determined and dictated to by eternity and not by this world. And I want to invite you to that story. I I believe that vision can compel us into bigger stories, and it calls us. Freddie has been with us for two, three weeks. A man from Switzerland, and, and uh, I don't want to embarrass you, but, but there's something I can see burning inside your heart. It's, and and Freddie visited us and came to the fast every night. Cycled here, and one night even had a flat tire because there's a vision not of what we could do, but of what Jesus does. And when Jesus grips our heart, Freddie, there's an exciting story ahead of you. It's been a great privilege to have you with us. And I, I trust even with you at this time, this is not about Vision Sunday, rah, rah, get excited. That'll last about three hours. But if we see Jesus and the potential and the God potential and the redemptive potential of a local church, just a family trying to honor God, we'll see miracles. And we'll see Jesus in that story. If I asked you right now, what's your vision for life? There are some young people, some still at school, some just outside of school, some been out of school a little bit longer. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. But I've sat with those financial planner dudes, and if that's the vision, well, it's an Excel spreadsheet that tells me you are this many million short of what you need for retirement. It's not a vision plan. That's not something that brings excitement to my soul. Or, or it's, it's a personal trainer who says the vision for your story is a six-pack. You're about 6,000 sit-ups and 4,300 calories a day for the next six years away from it. That doesn't pull me into that story. Or hashtag best life ever Instagram telling me what the vision for my life is. It's so small. God pulls us into a far bigger story, and he says, you're my people. 
You're my army. You're my bride. I love you. And I've called you to change the world. It's the highest calling. Son or daughter of the living God. It's the highest calling. Welcome to Vision Sunday. We, we love what we do. And I'm not here just to inspire you, and color, and, but I'm here to encourage us by His Word and the challenge of His Word to what He calls us to. And this year, as God speaks every year, I was at a coffee with a friend who leads a church in the area. He's quite a quiet guy. He's an amazing man. And I know he'd been praying for me. And at the end of the coffee, he stood up as we were leaving. We paid the bill. He just says, I've got a word for you. I've got an encouragement for you. I feel like God's calling you to deeper waters. There's more fruitful fields. There's fruit ahead. There's life ahead. There's victory ahead. And I'm going, I sat. It wouldn't leave me. So I spoke it through with the staff. And I realized it wasn't a word for me. It was a word for our church. That God is calling us into deeper waters. And I'd like to speak tonight from Luke chapter 5. And the context is Jesus is there and he's drawn a crowd. I'm going to tell you, Jesus can always draw a crowd. There'll be lots of crowds around Jesus. But what he's looking for in the crowd are disciples. Men and women who will follow him. Men and women who will be his people. Who will hold on to every word that he says and walk out their life. He's looking for those. And that's what's happening in Luke chapter 5. I want to read that to us now. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him, listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing the nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught from the, pe the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. There's so many things I love about the scripture. I love the grace of God that he chooses to get into Simon's boat. Some of you don't even know, but Jesus just chose you. He says, I'm in your boat. I choose your boat. I choose your life. Oh, but that guy's, no, I choose your life. Debbie, I choose your life. I think that's glorious. But I want to make three points that help us with our vision at this time. The first one is this. There's danger in the deep. There's danger. Jesus calls him to deep waters, but there's danger in the deep, and fear begins to rise. I know this not from reading the word on hour and hour. I know this not from anything other than, yes, being a lifeguard on North Beach at Durban once upon a time, two decades ago. I was a lifeguard. We would sit there. And in December, there was a glorious thing that happened. It brought much joy to many of our souls. It was called the Red Wave. As the volleys would descend from Joburg down to Durban. And on day one, they would frolic and turn gradually more and more red in the day. And then they'd pitch up on day two. And they were like lobsters. But they've got the gist of it now. And, and you would see the brave one amongst them. He would pull in on day two. He's got his flippers, his yellow instinct rash vest. It's very yellow with red shorts or something, and then a, a boogie board. If you're from the Vol, we love you, but it's for the analogy, for the word. And, and 
and they would venture out in deep waters. They watched these lighties going out next to the rip. And what happens in Durban is you, the waves push in, and there's a rip that happens, so the water flushes out next to the piers. It makes it easy for someone to get out to backline. So they've watched this for the whole day while they turned red and realized, I can do that. So courage comes inside their soul, and they jump into the rip, and they flap. the flippers are just hitting the water, not really moving them forward, hitting the water. It's a beautiful thing. And as lifeguards, there was much joy would come to our heart because we knew it was coming. And they would get about 10 meters out. Hey, looking good. Can do this. They get about 50 meters out because the piers call it 100 meters long. And all of a sudden, fear grips them as the deep water reality takes a hold of them deep down in their soul. And they do the very first thing that they do is not, it's the opposite of what they should do. They throw away the one thing that can save them, the boogie board. It's like, and the boogie board's gone now. And instead of trying to swim out the rip, they try to swim back into the rip. And it's like, you just see the arms failing. It's just everything's failing. And after about 20 seconds, every last row, it's just becoming, it's like this. And the eyes are getting bigger. And then they think of the options. I'm going to go out to deep sea where they are by a higher and other things. Or I'm going to do the one thing I think will save my life. In my yellow rash vest, I'm going to take a hold of the pillar of this pier. And they swim towards the pier where there are old barnacles, half-opened mussels, fish hooks from hundreds and thousands of fishermen. And they grip a hold of the pier and they hold on. To be honest, in the life-saving tower, we, we're laughing a little bit. But we're trying to keep it inside. You're not allowed to. So there's a slow walk. And people are like, save him, save him. Like, no, he'll be okay. And you walk, you save him. No, we don't do the hassle off run here. We just walk. He's got the pillar of the pier. And, and, and you get there, and, and this is it. Hi, help. You're fine. Just let go. No. And their eyes, it's just fear. Fear gripping. Now, it's a stretch of a story, but it's a good story, as they would mostly spend two, three days in hospital getting all their cuts fixed up. It was hectic. I know. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh about it, but it was a good thing from my youth. And, um, but fear drives you to do silly things, like hold on to things you know are going to hurt you and let go of the things that can save you. Fear drives us to do crazy things, like letting go of Jesus and his promises and his truth and taking a hold of things that will cut us, and we know they will. And I don't think Simon Peter was struggling with fear of being in the water. That wasn't his fear. There were greater fears at play. Like, what about this? The fear of man. He's a top-class fisherman who goes out at night, the word tells us, and catches nothing. Comes back, he's cleaning his nets. Now, they fish at, in the nighttime close to shore. Then this chap, Jesus, pitches up with the crowd who are watching and say to him, Simon, put your boat out to the deep. We're going to catch fish. And all of a sudden, I think if he was like me, he'd go, yes, but if I come back home. You see, it's easy coming home at 2 in the morning when no one's on the beach with no fish in my boat. It's a different thing coming home at 2 in the afternoon where there are crowds on the beach, and I'm a fisherman, and I can't catch any fish. What will the people say? I'm going to be kicked out of the Seal Galilee Fishing Club. No one's, it's what about fear of rejection? They're not going to want me as part of their crew when there's fishing competitions. This oak doesn't catch anything twice in a day, caught nothing. Those fears are great. Those fears keep us from trusting Jesus. Fear of failure. Well, I'm a fisherman. My job is to catch fish. This guy's drawn a crowd, and they're going to watch me come back into shore with not another fish. There's no fish out there, Jesus. And there's danger in the deep. 
and almost uh, some would like to preach that there's not, and Jesus is with you. It's not there. No. When David fought Goliath, Goliath was dangerous, but we worship the God who slays the giants. And when, when Daniel jumped in a lion's pit, the lion was dangerous. Could have ripped his head off with one bite. But Jesus was in the lion's pit. It's not about, we'll disqualify the danger. It's about qualify the king in everything we do and everything we are and allow him to be Jesus and our fears and those dangers. If I made this noise to you, if I made this noise, you'll know what it is if you're over 30 years old. You think a shark is attacking you right now inside this hall. It's like, there's a shark in the concrete. It's coming. Because fear makes you do crazy things. But it's okay to know that there's danger in the deep. What we do with that is Simon faces up to his danger, his fear of failure, his fear of rejection, his fear of man. He says, but it's Jesus. Point number two is quite simply a, a simple one that keeps us and calls us. You know what I love? Let me, before I rush on, you know what I love about Simon? He's the guy who chooses to trust Jesus. But in Matthew chapter 14, a situation plays out and he sees Jesus walking to him on the water. And Jesus says to him, well, come. And he's the guy who has faith enough to put his feet on water. And it says this, then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. And it carries on. It says that he took his eyes off Jesus and he fell in the water. And everyone goes, ah, oh, Simon. You know what I read? He walked on water. I don't know anyone else. Anyone walked on water here? I've never met someone who walked on water. And I don't think anyone other than Jesus has. This guy did. And sure, he stumbled and fell, but he'd learned to trust Jesus to a point that most people never do. He'd learned to overcome those fears. Or what are the brothers in the boat going to think? It's like a whoop. No, he walks on water. I want to be Simon. That even if I stumble and fall along the way, I learn to what it is to walk on water. Let me give you an example. Maybe even Alpha. And you got an encouragement from Janae about Alpha. And I know. I was the grade 11 student who got asked to read it in school because I was part of the SCA, and I wasn't that keen, so I made up an excuse not to do it. It's one of my great regrets, to be brutally honest. But I know sometimes sending a message to your mates at university or school, whatever, saying, hey, come to Alpha, it's this Christian thing, it's about Jesus, and maybe it could change your life. Has the potential they could go, no. Has the potential go, who do you think I am? That's silly. Well, get used to it. It's called being a disciple of Jesus. And our job is to keep sowing seed. Our job is to keep loving people. Our job is to keep inviting people. And I think it's a good thing for us to be challenged and take up that challenge. So actually, part of my journey with Jesus, if I'm going to walk on water, is sow seed. Number two, the greatest catch is always in the deepest waters. The greatest catch. I was watching National Geographic. The greatest catch is always in the deepest waters. And these fishermen, they're out there. They're rough. They're saying, no, we go to the deepest waters because that's where the greatest catches are. It costs us more money. It's more time away from our families. It's sacrifice on many levels. But we know the catch is in the deep waters. And Jesus speaks to Simon and says, actually, put out into the deep and let down your nets. The King James Version puts it this way. Launch out into the deep waters. Life changes church. There's a word to us at this time. Launch out. What is God saying? Launch out. Pray for the sick. Launch out. Get in community. Launch out. But I'm fearful of people, and what if people reject me? Launch out and trust Jesus. I want to be a part of social justice, but I'm scared to drive into some of the areas of our city. Launch out. Because only on the launching you're going to find Jesus who does miracles. 
It's a challenge to us. You know, Simon's there and Jesus says, Peter, I says, but Jesus, I'm a fisherman. You're a really good carpenter. You're obviously a pretty good preacher and you can pull a crowd, but I'm a fisherman and we fish at night in the shallows. Jesus says, I want you to fish in the middle of the day in the deep. He says, okay, you're Jesus. I'm just a fisherman. You're Jesus. I can steer this boat, but you can command the wind and the waves and the fish of the sea. I choose you. That's what it is to be a disciple. All Jesus is showing us in this, in this section of scriptures, what it is to be a disciple. Simon follows. He says, it doesn't make sense to my natural. It doesn't make sense to my, wisdom, my, my kind of knowledge. But I'm going to put out to the deep, and I'm going to put down my nets, and I'm going to fill them in. And he gets to see a miracle play out. See, it's not about what we've done. It's about what Jesus is wanting us to do. And I want to, point number three, when Jesus is calling to the deep, everything changes. It didn't make sense for them to go to the deep, not in the middle of the day. But Jesus was in that boat. Jesus was in that boat. And, and we use this name sometimes. And I heard someone say that name in a, in, a, in a dishonoring way the other day. And it hurts me because that name changes everything. That name changes everything. Don't give me another name in an ICU room. Give me the name of Jesus. Don't give me another name in a business boardroom where everything's falling apart. Give me the name of Jesus. Don't give me a business strategist. Give me Jesus. When my kids need futures and hopes, and give me the name of Jesus. Because only the name of Jesus will establish and settle those things. And it didn't make sense to Simon, but what was his answer? Master, master, we've toiled all night and taken nothing, but if you say so. What is Jesus saying to you? See, there's this pattern through Scripture that God sometimes doesn't intervene until man's at his end. George Muller puts it this way, there is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Where does your power end? Well, let your faith kick in to a story that counts and has eternal value. It might look like salvation. See, sometimes I, I've said this story before, but my little boy repeated grade R, and at the time it was quite a big thing for us. I found school easy. I found academics easy. It was quite a big thing for me, actually, to consider my boy having to repeat. But in that year, the guy who played electric guitar this morning and the lady who was part of the serving team this morning, their child, children were in that year of schooling with my boy because he repeated school. And because of that, they're a community with us. And there's another family that are entertaining faith and looking at Jesus and asking big questions because my boy did grade R again. And if my boy had to do grade R again just so that one person gets saved, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. It'll always be worth it. See, Jesus calls him into a fruitless sea where there are no fish, and he turns it into a sea of abundance. Jesus gets into their little stinky boat, fisherman's boat that was used for fishing, and he turns a fishing boat into a pulpit for the glory of God to reach the masses. Jesus gets into the life of a fisherman who could have caught, he had caught fish generations and probably would have had generations of fishermen. He becomes a guy who writes a bunch of books in the New Testament and has an impact well beyond, well beyond Jesus changes it all. See, in the deeper waters, there's Jesus. And he's challenging us, I believe, on a personal level. This is not just for the church. Will you launch into the deep? You know what will determine that? Do you believe Jesus? We sing these songs. If I put the words up of that first song, that one song we sang that Mish was leading, and we believe, we believe. That belief is a big thing. And what you believe is really important. Believe Jesus. 
And so as a church, I want to tell you, it doesn't all change. And I want to give you a few more minutes about what that looks like for us and how we then take something of that vision and something of who we are. If you want to know who we are, it's quite simple. It's on the wall. Some of you are like, no, that's too easy. You can look. I'm not tricking you. It's literally on the wall. Reach far. Say reach far. Raise up. And they're not even looking backwards. It's a miracle. People actually listen. Oh, it's on the screen. You were cheating, Amy. You were cheating. I saw you. Yeah. But that's who we are. That's what we do. That's what we say yes to. And that's what we say no to. Determined by we reach far. Those far from Christ, we want to reach them. We want to raise those people up in Christ to be more like Jesus. And we want to release fire for the kingdom of God. That doesn't change. Into the deep doesn't change that. It just calls us to have a vision of Jesus as we navigate our journey. That's what I want to give my life to. That's what as a church I want to be known for. That's what a church we want to do. And, and sometimes we do it well and sometimes we do it poorly. But first of all, reach those far from Christ. Jesus challenged Simon, I will make you fishers of men. He got the, the catch of a lifetime. He got the fisherman's dream. His nets are breaking. He's calling his mates who would have been his competition in business saying, come make bucks. He has fish and he's pulling them in and going, and he gets the catch of a lifetime and he goes, but I want to follow you and leaves it all. I've met men and women who've got everything they've ever dreamed for. And at the end of it all, they go, what was it for? With Jesus, you'll never ask that question. Because you'll know one day when you're face to face with your father in heaven. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You'll know what it was all worth and what it was all for. And he calls us. And so why do we do things like this? Gathering on a Sunday, we gather because part of our reaching is on a Sunday. People land here still in South Africa. They're still a seeking journey. And they might hit the nightclubs and they might hit a whole bunch of places. But on that journey, they'll still seek God. And they'll land up hopefully here as we would welcome and love and give them four coffees. Who does that? And do a whole bunch of things. Why? We want to reach them for Jesus. I'm not hiding that fact. And I trust this is not just a Sunday church reality. I trust you know that there's a desire that as you are disciples of Jesus in a local church called Life Changes, my job is to compel you and call you to live lives that would reach far. We aren't these guys, little T-Rex Christians. So nice to meet you. I'd pay for lunch, but my wallet's in there. No, we have arms to reach like our king reached us. And he calls us, and we're doing Alpha Get involved in the altar. Invite your friends. Be here. Bring them to the dinner. We'll feed them. I promise you. They'll love the food and trust you more. They'll love Jesus more. We're going to do Alpha Youth. We're going to do a Life Kids Holiday Club in June to serve the single parents on our community and love them. And there's no, you have to come to church on Sunday. No, we just want to love their kids and hopefully along the way they'll encounter Jesus. Arise conferences. We want to raise people up in Christ, which means we want to mature people. And this is very exciting. And number one, life groups. I don't know what else to do. Do life in small groups. If you have to do it on a Thursday morning at 3 in the morning because you've got no time, I promise you it's worth it. Some of you are like, I've never been awake at 3 in the morning. You should try it. It's awesome. But do it with people. It's far much better. Why? Because life in small groups is just so much better. And then we've been putting energy and effort into care and our care team at Life Change, which is Christ-centered. What's it? Christ-centered approaches for a radical existence fancy way for saying we love people and we want to see them grow into everything that God has for them and that's called discipleship and sometimes it's taking the broken and destitute and sometimes taking the proud and arrogant and taking all of them to his word to his grace and to his goodness but there's a new thing happening tomorrow night are you ready it is called you know nothing about it yet 
Life changes, recovery. Okay, I'm going to do that again. Life changes, recovery. And really what this is, it's looking at our area, looking at our city, and seeing a real great need. And we're going to be ministering as we partnered for eight years with View Church, which has been amazing and incredible. And we still have great relationships. We feel God has called us into the area of, of helping people out of addiction. And not just the person in addiction. It's a support group for people in addiction. It's support for, for their family who can also come on the night. It'll be a different support group. And it's a support group for their children because most people can't get help because they actually, the times they have available to get help on the evenings when they need to look after their kids. So we're going to provide space and teams and families. And we've had people trained, Louise and Jacques and Andrew Gaveda and others, part of this community have invested years and years into that. And we want to see people set free. And so that's just something new that's happening. On top of that, life changes. Bible college is happening tomorrow night. Sign up, grow, you'll do well. How's your soul? Um, life cha- the, the new course, church conference. Terry Virgo is coming next month. You don't know who he is. He looks like the guy from Up, but he is full of grace. He is exceptional gospel preacher. He has had 50, 60 years of fruitfulness. And him and his wife, Wendy, have been married forever and seen the life of God come. You can listen to this man. You can trust him. And you can open up your heart and allow the word of God to bring life. So those are just, we have another fast coming all about raise up. Why do we gather? Because the Bible doesn't say if you fast and if you feel like it as a community. Jesus challenges Matthew 6, if you fast, when you fast. Lastly, release wide for the kingdom, I'll be done in two minutes. We're supporting church planting. We sold over 100,000 rand to church plants in Pakistan and Sri Lanka last year. I, I don't know what church you want to be a part of, but I want to be a part of that church. You know what we could have done with that 100,000 rand? We could have had really soft funky seats under your backsides tonight. You could have been going, wow, that's awesome, nice seats. Or we can plant churches in Sri Lanka and Pakistan. It's literally that. And we choose that as we see the kingdom of God advancing. Some of you are moving your shoes, so we should vote the seats. And um, <laughs> there's other things, Recycle Swap Shop, amazing project that's been pioneered by this amazing couple, Wayne and Jen, and the team into Danoon and South Five. have seen amazing, loved people, fed people, cared for people, recycling done as people have been given a, a, a hand to help them into a future. It's amazing. We want to see more of that. And some of you have got dreams and desires. Allow them to fly, launch into the deep. And lastly, we're going to be doing business people's breakfast for men and women because we know that much of you and most of you spend most of your time in the marketplace. We want to equip you for that better and make sure that we invest into our people as we see that actually, whether an accountant, a nurse, a lawyer, whatever it is, God's got a kingdom story for you. A nurse. Don't know what a nurse is? Check it up. Who's a nurse? Anyone a nurse here? Okay, it's been a long day. But I don't know about you, I'm excited. And, and I love the local church, and I love this local church, and we love you. And we get to do this together, and that's exhilarating. But I'm going to ask us to stand. And um, faith has to be activated. And I asked tonight, maybe even God's speaking to you, someone to contact for Alpha, something to start to see social upliftment, to give away 1% of your income to someone you know who needs it more. I don't know what the deep is for you. Maybe it's to get up tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock when you normally get up at 7 to spend time with God. I promise you now, if there's faith in it, and it's Jesus speaking, there will be a miraculous catch. A miraculous haul for the glory of God. And your soul will rejoice. Can you reach out your hands to Him if you're comfortable with Him with that? Jesus, right now, I pray for every person here. 
I pray, fill us with courage, fill us with fire. Spirit of God, ignite fires. Set the young free to pray all night, to intercede, to whatever it is, God, whatever you're calling people to do. I pray the word launch into the deep would captivate us. Launch into the deep tomorrow morning as men and women go into the marketplace. Launch into the deep. Lay hands on the person at your work who's struggling with sickness. Speak to the person whose marriage you know is in chaos and bring life and courage to fight for their marriage. Whatever it is, launch into the deep and encounter Jesus, the King of kings, the glorious one in the deep waters. I pray, Spirit of God, lead us, guide us, show us and have your glory, mighty King. Amen.